Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's that time again. It's Friday at four o'clock. We do recover is on the air. I'm the host of this thing, Jared Miller. So... I got the rest of the hooligans joining me today, as usual, and we have amazing Melissa Mitchell with us. Welcome. Thanks, Jared. Absolutely. So, I got a question for you, Doc. Uh-oh. What happens when you touch Dwayne Johnson's butt? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to come up with this. Give me a second. Shot clock. You've hit rock bottom. You've hit rock <laughs> bottom. Hey, I there's the dad that. joke of the podcast. I came up with it. You've hit so, rock bottom. So I've been watching like, I you know. I was so proud of myself for that. Thanks good for, job. Thanks for letting me have that opportunity. Did you see the same TikTok I saw? No. I stole it off of TikTok. <laughs> I, That's not an original. That's all right. It's yours now. Yeah, I love it. Well, this show started off a little crazy, and I also love that. Episode 49, we're almost at 50. Part one is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. If you or a loved one need help, give them a call. You can get a hold of them at 801-800-8142. One last time, that's 801-800-8142. All right. Are you doing check-ins? Am I, I doing? I don't know what's happening here. I, what <sighs> I like is when we fly by the seat of our pants, because that's, that's my middle name. Middle name. So... Hold on, Doctor Terry. Fly, fly by, by the, the seat, seat of, of my pants. Sellers. Sellers. Right. It's a long, long middle name, but it works for me. Can we also um, get your social and your date of birth? Yeah, two six seven. Sorry, that was the first three digits. If anyone wants to try to guess the other seven, <laughs> he legit was going to give it. This guy. <laughs> well, there's only six more. Four three. I saw Sean write something down, so I thought he was actually writing my social security down. Um, <laughs> I don't care. What are you going to get out of my account? There's nothing in there. You can raid all hey. my accounts and you have $11. There you go. Uh, okay, so let's see. I'm going to call you out first. The first is, um, no, you don't like it when things start crazy. You like you like order and structure, and I am fine without order and structure. In fact, I thrive in that. So a uh, little conflict today so far because I showed up a little bit late, which is pretty common, <laughs> but I also was... Uh, 11 minutes late for from being 30 minutes early by the way so here we are four o'clock on a friday afternoon we've never done a four uh, uh, friday afternoon one it's our first friday afternoon podcast so everyone's in a little bit different mood everyone's kind of awake i'm awake at least usually i'm asleep in the morning so let's start with what we start with new and good what is new and good in the world of jared q miller well, new and good. Let's see. I got the baby face back that, you know, I, oh, so, yeah. so check it out. Like I like to keep the beard a certain shape, right? The box shape, you know what I mean? And, um, after doing some yard Wait, work, what's the box shape, you, you know, it's like a little squared off. Yeah. Yeah. A little squared okay. off, you know, and after doing some yard work, it was starting to itch the neck. And oh, so sure. I, I threw a clip on there and I tried trimming underneath. And then I was like, what have I done? And oh. so, so then I just, I'm, in, I'm trying to embrace the baby face. Okay. It's fine. It's so, fine. is it better? I mean, uh, I know no, you don't love I'm the grieving. look. But my here's my other my real question was, uh, I I looked in my car on the way in, and my car said it was 111 degrees. Oh, right it's cooler now. for sure. So, is it better to do yard work without the beard? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Good. Then embrace that. Yeah. Embrace that. When winter comes, you can have a great, <laughs> a nice squared off beard. Uh, Mr. Denovan in the corner. What's new and good? I got a new refrigerator. What the heck? Yeah, you missed it last week. I did? Yeah, my refrigerator broke, so I've had a week and a half of no fridge. Oh, Eating how? all the dry goods and stuff, lots of eating out. I have like one of those little tiny college refrigerators with like a half gallon of milk, oh one gosh. egg, and three cheese sticks. Oh my so God. they came in today, they installed it, and for the first time in five years, I actually have an ice maker and a water thing oh, built into the door. So, so sweet. You're bougie, I'm like, Sean. yeah. Yeah. Totally yeah. excited, totally stoked, but I have to wait three days for the water to siphon through oh, sure dumb thing sorry about that mm. but i have a fridge but you have a full fridge i have it's a fridge awesome. yeah you know what's really amazing about that is if we think about it i'll bet you 90 percent of the world doesn't have a refrigerator 
And we're freaked out that we have to go three days without one. That's kind of it's that's the life in America. Hey, isn't that's it? my world. Okay, no, that's right. I get my it. Problem. Yep. You don't live in Bangladesh. I Alrighty. get it. Yep. If yeah. I'm having to swat uh, flies right. off my eyeballs, that's right. something different. I'll complain about that. But here, <laughs> I have no fridge. You have know? you swatted flies off your eyeballs recently? No, but you've seen the TV. Sh- you've seen the, the people begging for money for the kids yeah. in Africa and the yeah. the flies Sarah- on the eyeballs. They're not blinking. Is Sarah McLaughlin? They're not blinking fast they're not, enough. Not Sarah McLaughlin. The other one. She does. The, she does the pets. I no, she does who's, dogs. Who's the other lady? She asks for all the um, Sally. Suzanne Summers? Su- no, no. Sally Fields? No. No, no. Who's the lady that asks <laughs> for the- Let's go. Let's keep going. Okay. Sally Struthers. Yes. Yes. Sally Struthers. <laughs> okay. Asking for money for the uh, kids in Africa. Okay. And they sit there and they look sad at you and there's there's flies. That, they don't blink when the eye, when the flies on the eyeball. Yeah. You notice that? I have not noticed that. Yeah, That's interesting. The kids are like, I don't care. My life is horrible. There's a fly in my eyeball, and I don't care. You know what else they do? And that's the problem that they have. They don't go home to their refrigerators. <sighs> <laughs> but if they did, they'd be happy. Yeah, they would. Like me. All right. Yes. Well, go. I'm glad you got a new fridge. That's awesome. Uh, we have Melissa Mitchell in studio. Melissa Mitchell, what's new and good in your world? Well, I went to teach a group about smart goals a few weeks ago nice and i looked at my visions and goals when i left treatment and there was only one i hadn't followed through with whoa one that's pretty new and hold good. on hold on melissa you're telling me you still have the paperwork and stuff from when you went to treatment oh yeah, oh, yeah. you're on a whole nother level girl. right she's next to my a, bed yeah, she's on she's level. on a whole nother There's level no question so that right. goal was going back to school so wow. I have my transcripts, and I start in the spring. Hey, that's, that's pretty new and good. Yeah. Yeah, that's I awesome. don't have the piece of paper I filled out yesterday with my goals on it. <laughs> well, that's where the OCD kicks so, in. Yeah, well, that's, I guess it's helpful. <laughs> I don't have much of that. I can tell you that. So. We were talking about that before we got started. She's my soul sister because we, yeah, we can you, relate to yeah, each other. Yeah, you two can do this. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are organized, at least, in your lives. <laughs> Great minds unite. So, Dr. Sellers, what's new oh and good gosh. with you? Nothing. I have nothing at all. I have nothing. Well, I you know what? I don't know if it's new, but that shirt. Oh, it's good. Wow. <laughs> well, where where, where do you shop, don't Sellers? Sean, if it's Let's good, get that. It's good. I shop online. Yeah? A lot. Yeah. Do you just type in craziest outfits no. known to mankind? No, no, no. That oh. is a shirt from wish.com. No, no. <laughs> that is wish.com not material wish. written all over it. No, not wish, it fits. You can't, no. it can't be from Wish. Yeah, because no. Wish, you, yeah. I, I've ordered a 5XL from Wish before, and it's not even close to yeah. fitting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like a yeah. kid's small. And they don't make a 6XL, so I, I can't order shirts from Wish. <laughs> Uh, the shoes that I have on are from what? It looks like a Crayola pack exploded it all is over a, you. It is yes. a Crayola pack. That's what. It, that's Finger exactly. Paint sneezed all over you. Exactly what I was going for. Uh, <laughs> PaulFrederick.com. That's a shout out. Send us some cash. <laughs> there you go. Paul Frederick makes some really nice shirts. I really love them, and I've got about twelve of them, and they're not very expensive. This shirt was thirty-nine dollars. It's not terrible. I like it. So that's. I'll, I'll go with that. Thanks for giving me a new and good. I got yeah. a new shirt. Yeah, so I'm going to lead you into Melissa. How do you know okay. Melissa? I don't know. Can't remember. Can't oh, remember Melissa, I, how do you know this character over here? How long you been? How long you known Doctor Sellers for? Twenty two years. What the heck? Has he always had a mug that big? Mm, I don't think it fit in his car. Oh, yeah, no. At the time. Yeah, I used to drive a Porsche. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that mug wouldn't fit in a Porsche. <laughs> a Porsche. You know what? The, you know what about? I learned about Porsches. They're uh, expensive. Yeah, and the Germans are. But I was in a practice where they paid for a car. And the other two guys were driving more expensive cars than that. So I'm like, if I didn't get a car that was sort of expensive, they were going to make get more money than I was. And I'm like, huh. I'm not doing that. I'll buy an expensive car because they're paying for it. But the Germans are kind of serious about driving. That's a real world doctor problem, isn't it? It kind of is. And I don't have that problem anymore. <laughs> I'm, I, am, I hustled down here in my wife's beat up 2007. It is a Volkswagen Passat, which is... The Passat's a nice Volkswagen, but it's beat up and it's really old. So that's great. That's great. Let's I've, answer the question. I've How do you guys know each other? Oh, I got off track. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I Left think, turn. I think I might have taken some crack on the way down or something. <laughs> I don't know. I got somebody you can talk to about I don't that. Do She's crack. sitting right I over there. I don't do crack. I never have. Back in labor and delivery, I was a high school intern, and what? then he delivered my first niece. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was driving a Porsche. <laughs> How long ago was that? 22 years ago. Nice. Wow. It was 97, 98. Was wow. he still dressing as crazy as he does today? Not back so then? much. 
Not quite as much, for sure. I wore a lot of scrubs. Yeah. Because when you deliver babies, you don't want to get stuff on your new shirt. No, no. We'd, there's times we'd be sitting in the labor room going, where is he? He'll be rolling in his Porsche anytime. <laughs> kind of like that. we were this morning with the Porsche. And yes. there he rolled in. <laughs> convertible. I like it. Yep. Yeah, it was a convertible Porsche. I think he had more hair back then to blow in the wind. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Dr. Sellers, she's all yours, man. All right, let's get going. Let's get her journey. I got to finish my thing. Oh, yeah. One yeah. thing I learned about Porsches. Oh, yeah. They're serious about driving. There is no drink holders in the entire car. So yeah. you can't, uh, you can't, I mean, you know. It's not a luxury. You're no, even, it's a sports car. Yeah, they're driving. They yeah. want to pay attention to the road. They don't want to be doing that drinking and eating stuff that Americans do all the time. <laughs> so, okay, thanks. Uh, Melissa, let's start with, uh, so I have known you a long time, and uh, I've, I've known you in a couple of different regards in your life, but let's, uh, let's start today and we're going to move backwards okay so tell us right today a little bit about you um family kids names what you do that kind of stuff so today in november my husband and i will have been married 20 years together for 24. whoa yeah and i have an 18 year old son whoa. starting his sophomore year in college um a 15 year old son so the oldest is Riley. Next one is Casey, and my Riley and Casey. daughter will be thirteen next month, and her wow. name is Brooklyn. Wow, she's blessed. That's cool. Yeah, God's been good to her. So wait, three kids are at home. Three kids. They're all at home. Mm -hmm. Okay, but once where where's the oldest Riley? Right. Yeah. Where's Riley going to school? He's going to Snow so he can finish his associates without losing credits, and then um, he'll go up to Utah State. Can he live at home? And go to snow? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So he's still at home? Yep. All right. So you're not losing anybody this year? Not this year. Team still team still has five players. Team still has five players. <laughs> it was right. touch and go for a minute. Yeah. I thought we were going to have to That mom fear came up. Yep. Uh, yeah. I get I, The mom fear is different. It's not something I completely understand, but yeah, I'm so happy when my kids move out. I can't stand it. We're pretty <laughs> sure he's 18 going on 40. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I got a 40-year-old going on 18. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So what do you do? What Tell us about what do you do for work? Well, I work at Pathways Homeless Center oh, in God. Glenwood. And Where's I'm Glenwood, for those of us that don't know? By Richfield. Okay. Seven Glenwood. miles east of Richfield. Glenwood's a suburb of Richfield, if you can believe that Richfield has suburbs. Yes, on the other side of the Hayfield suburb. Right. On the other <laughs> side of the Hayfield Turn suburb. left at the Watusi's. Yep. Nice. What is the Watusis? The cows in the field when you return. Really? The big horned cows. Oh, Come on, you know, you know Watusis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Watusis. thought the Watusi yeah. was a dance. <laughs> it sounds like Can something. you dance the Watusi? <laughs> yeah. I think so. I can't. I can't either. <laughs> I can't dance anything. But All right, so uh, how long have you been doing that? I've been at Pathways for a year, Okay. and I'm a tech recovery specialist and auditing compliance intake specialist oh you're not the person that sends me a little thing every month that says hey you're missing these notes are you every week oh we yeah. love those people we'll let ty we? do it now though seems like really <laughs> then we can be better friends uh, <laughs> <laughs> i actually don't i don't that stuff doesn't upset me at all it's totally fine um okay so let's uh let's go backwards then tell us how uh, I, I know you because I met you in treatment. That's not the only way. That's not the first time I met you, but I met you in treatment once upon a time uh, in 2017, I believe. 16, yep. did we decide, or 17? 17, 17 four Hold years ago. Are you telling me we have a guest that struggled with substance abuse? Yes, I think so. We have a guest that's either done drugs or alcohol? Right. It's a secret. Right. On no. this kind of podcast? Oh, that's shoot. crazy. <laughs> oh, sorry. Don't tell anybody. Oh, shoot. Jeez. Have we ever had a guest that didn't struggle with drugs and alcohol? I don't think so. Yes, we do, I think. Who? Susan Peterson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. John Gossett. Yeah, John yeah. Gossett. Okay, yeah. sorry, sorry. I'm getting sidetracked. Yeah, sure. Okay, so tell us how that, how you, how you came to treatment. What was going on? That Tell us about... No, let's not do that. Never mind. I'm going to change my schedule. Tell us about your childhood. So I grew up in a house that had five, I have five siblings and I'm the oldest of the, or I'm the youngest of the oldest three. So third I child. Get, I get confused on that. I, I know. Yeah. No, third I get child. It. I get it. Third child, middle child syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We do have a lot in common. I, I'm telling you. 
Maybe that's where the OCD comes in. I think that's I don't it. Know. I don't know. Where'd you um, grow up? Provo. Okay. Oh, geez. That's a terrible place. On the west to grow side. Up. On the west side. The that's west even side. worse. <laughs> west side. She's got gang signs. She's throwing it up. She's got gang signs. Uh, okay. Where'd you go to high school? Provo High. Okay. All right. That's where me and my husband met. That was probably back before Provo High was quite as gangsta as it is today. Mm, not necessarily. Okay. <laughs> I might be wrong. <laughs> I might be wrong. Let me guess. Yep. Marlboro Reds and tight jeans. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. So I was. Fi- culture, dude. <laughs> wow. I was 15 when I met Abe, my husband. Okay. So. He yeah, seems like a school. good guy. He's out here. He is. What a nice dude. He's so supportive. Yeah, I, I don't. If I met him. Yeah. In the in the delivery room. No. <laughs> in treatment. Awkward. Yes. Okay. <laughs> What's awkward? No. I'm uh, the kidding. fact that I can't remember yesterday. That's not awkward to me. That's my life. <laughs> that stuff doesn't bother me. Uh, no, nope. he stood by me through some pretty nice. rough stuff. Yeah, for so. sure. Let's talk about some of the rough stuff, though. Yeah. So what what happened in your so childhood was how was childhood how would you describe it? Um, childhood is a little um, rough because I was different, and so my parents had to parent me different. What do you mean you were different? Um, I wasn't like my older sister, who was the academic band. I was into boys and music and being you know a rock star. Yeah. Yeah. Marbles and tight jeans. Marbles and tight <laughs> jeans, baby. I'm cultured. <laughs> Woo. All so right. I guess that's where the feelings of being hard to love came in. Those deep core beliefs. Mm, that's yeah. a belief so, you developed about yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Because I was different. They, there were times they didn't know what to do with me. You didn't fit into the mold. So, di- no. so let's. I want to explore that for a second because how many times have we heard that on this podcast? I was different. Just about every episode. Like every episode, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like literally almost every episode. And well, mind you, we're talking mostly to people who have struggled with drugs and alcohol, right? But that's for sure a common denominator. I I'm not sure that that's that drugs and alcohol is the only are the only kids that feel different though in life. I'm sure there's a lot of kids out there that didn't use drugs and alcohol that felt different too, but it's awfully common in this crowd, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, can I cut you off and ask yeah, you a question? Please. So Melissa, do you think that, uh, I agree, with, I agree with Dr. Sellers, a, a lot of people feel like they're different. Uh, would you say that you found either drugs or alcohol? I don't even know what your DOC is yet to, mm-hmm. as a way to cope? No, much later in life. Okay. It was a way to numb. Hmm. From those deep core beliefs. Got you. Because my story leads to being diagnosed with bipolar 20 years later of being misdiagnosed. Okay. So once we figured that out, it all made sense. Yeah. yeah. So So you feel different. When do you remember when you first started feeling different? First of all, I'm I'm just going to say feeling different tends not to happen at home as much as it does at school or in social settings. I felt normal in school and social studies. Okay, that's interesting. It was at home. So you felt different at home. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you had an older sister that was, can I throw out a weird word that I don't believe, but I'm going to throw it out? You had an older sister that was better? Yeah. Oh, my my core belief. That's what I'm saying. I don't don't believe that at all. I don't believe your older sister was better at all. Um, But you probably felt that. Yeah. Right. Yep. So that's another thing we do. Like the, one of the things I, I see a lot is we a lot of comparisons in, in mm-hmm. people who with addiction problems. We compare ourselves. And the problem is we're comparing our innermost thoughts and feelings with someone's outside external appearance, mm-hmm. which is just not apples to apples at all. Yeah. Right. That, we're, that's also a common thing on this podcast. What? Comparing the yeah, com- yeah, comparison yeah, stuff? The insides, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So. Absolutely. So, uh, so you're comparing how you feel and how you, you know, how your heart works and how your brain works to what your sister looks like. Yep. And I'm not saying physically looks, I'm just saying the presentation your sister gives off. Right. Yep. Okay. So you didn't, in your own mind, you didn't measure up to that comparison. No. And even trying to follow in footsteps, it failed every time. And so I decided I'm going to be me. What did that look like? That looked like being the social butterfly being with friends, being out. And that was something that was new to my parents. 
So when you're out there and being social, whatever that may mean, we might explore that a little bit, but when you're out there being social, you feel okay? Oh yeah. You feel better than you do at home? Yep. Okay. Yep. There was a lot of, um, a lot of problems in my home, but at the same time, my parents did the best they could because my dad had to have a kidney transplant when I was in seventh grade. And so that took a lot of time and energy and us kids had to keep it together at home because doing dialysis is three and a half hours, three times a week. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. And that went on for over a year. A lot of fear there? Did you? Oh, yeah. Were you scared that your dad might pass away? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's hard on a kid for sure. Yep. Okay, so so high school, how, how was high school for you? High school, I did great freshman, sophomore year, and then... Academically, you did great. Academically, I did fine. And then I started messing around with friends during school, because that was funner. And then... um, What does that mean, messing around with friends during school? Just going and playing instead of going to school. Not being in school. Oh, yeah. You're skipping a lot. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then senior year, I reined it back in, because I wanted to finish, and... I held down four part-time jobs, an internship, was in CNA program, still going to high school. Whoa. And then two months before high school graduation, um, I got pregnant. Mm. Uh, That's what happens when you mess around with friends. Yeah. Everybody. (laughs) (laughs) But um, my high school had pulled me in after So you were how old at this point? 17? 17. Okay. Yep. I had moved in with my grandma, so I was... Okay. A little more independent. A little more independent. Sure. She needed somebody. She was there by herself. Okay. So um, two months before graduation, they pulled me in, and they had miscalculated my math credits that I had to do makeup for. And so I wasn't going to be able to graduate with my class. Ooh. Ooh. So... So you find yourself pregnant and, and scared that you're not going to graduate. Yeah, and nobody okay. knew but me and my husband. Right. And you can keep so. this from your family. Yeah, because I wasn't so living far. with them. Right. Yeah. Okay. In fact, they didn't find out. Did, so I ended up losing the baby. Oh, did they know you were pregnant? No, they didn't know until two weeks find, after. They didn't find out during, while you were pregnant. No. Okay. Nope. Okay, so you had a miscarriage. Yep. So okay. being from a very strong LDS family, that caused some waves. So I moved in with my boyfriend. Okay. Which that is now my husband. That won't cause any more waves with the family. No, <laughs> but at least I wasn't there to see him. Right. Yeah, right. you don't have to feel the waves. Mm-mm. Exactly. No, but that started the cycle of my deepest depression. Okay, and that's all because of what? Losing right. the baby. Okay, that's a dep- that's all of it. Listen, for those of you that are listening out there that are male, we don't understand the depression females go through when they have a miscarriage. I don't think we can comprehend it. Um, I just, I, you know, I've been around a lot of miscarriages. As mm-hmm. you know, I used to, to be an obstetrician, and men just don't understand the depth of despair that you feel when you lose a baby. Yeah, it's and tough. I think being that young, it had a very big impact because at 18, like, it changes your whole life. Oh, sure. And then to have that taken away so abruptly, that was hard to process through. Sure. And that was the first time I can remember the deepest cycle of depression for my bipolar Okay, so you're depressed, you're living with your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? I got a job. Well, that's interesting. threw myself into work. Right. So there comes the manic. Because you can crawl into a closet and not, mm-hmm. not go out anywhere and not. Yep. Well, you decided to grab a job and go work hard. Yep, and I worked my way to the top. I ended up being, I worked at Flying J in Payson. And I worked my way from buffet attendant to. It's <laughs> a Flying J cup, by the way. I worked my way from buffet attendant up to accountant in nice, a matter of a year. Sweet. That's so awesome. you're doing books? Yep. For Flying J. Awesome. Yep. Night manager, books. And you're 18, um, I'm guessing. 18, 19. Yeah. I turned 19 by then. Yeah, and you're an accountant for Flying J, basically. Yep. Got pregnant with my first. Okay. My oldest. So haven't gotten married yet. Um. Yes, we got married in 2001. Okay. So I lost the baby in 2000. Got okay. married 2001. November 2001. Okay. And had Riley in 2003. Okay. We're... Um, no, 2004. Okay. We're cruising along, no. but we're about yeah. to our halfway point. We've got a, just a little bit left here, so we're going to leave the we're going to leave the listening listeners hanging for a second, <laughs> but 
when we come back, we want to talk about sort of how you got into substances and then uh, how you got out of substances and go from there. But hopefully fin- finish on like a recovery message too, right? It's a podcast about recovery. We're not going to do that. Yeah, that's typically what, what we would to like do? to do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for <laughs> Not remind- just like a bio and Thanks then active addiction me. and then end. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of not a feel good podcast. This is, this is what we have Jared for. <laughs> the structure. Because I'll just ramble for an hour. But we've got to know Melissa, and that's been fantastic. Yeah. The backstory's been amazing. Thank you. Thanks. Join us in part two for her life in, her journey through active addiction, her life in recovery, and what she's doing today. See you guys after this 30 second break. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery. And once you become the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right, welcome back. So part two, uh, episode number 49, we're almost to 50. Almost. Of, uh, we Do Recover with Jared Miller. And we've been talking to Melissa Mitchell and we've talked a lot about her childhood and thus and that. And we're going to get into sort of her active addiction and then recovery. But first, part two is sponsored by... The Hilton Garden Inn. Where did you stay last night? The Hilton Garden oh, Inn. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? It is. I love the Hilton Garden Inn. Love so those guys. they're our sponsor. They're really good to us. Uh, if you happen to find yourselves in southern Utah, traveling through or coming down or coming up, if you're from the, from south of here, give them a Google search, Hilton Garden Inn. And they have the most, uh, they have great amenities. The, the staff is wonderful. The pool is fantastic. Um, the rooms are clean, comfortable, nice and cool. So, uh, give them a Google search, type in Hilton garden in, and they'll take really good care of you. It's always sunny and bright at the Hilton garden in. Did you know that? Yes, sir. Okay. I like those guys. Yeah. They're good to us for sure. Yeah. They're definitely good to us. So let's get, let's get moving. Cause I, I have a tendency to ramble and bog down a little bit sometimes, or actually all my life. Um, <laughs> and so we want to get a little bit moving on, but let's get into how you first started with substances. So while I was working at Flying J, I had two injuries there that hurt my back. And I went for- Wait, a- wait, wait. An accountant had injuries. Oh yeah. Explain that to me, Jared. Hey, some of those books can be heavy, yeah, you know? That's right. So the government tells you you have to keep the books for so many years, right? And what happens is when, when amazing people like Melissa are carrying these multiple years of books <laughs> up the flight of stairs. Sean, help me out here. Did I push okay. a button that I didn't mean to okay. push? Okay. An accounting injury? That yes. doesn't add up. Oh! <laughs> another dad oh! joke! Oh, I love well, that's it. a bo- that's a star in my book. You get a, a gold star for that one. That's, <laughs> I like that actually. Well, rolling chairs don't like phone cords wrapped in the wheels. Oh, that's how oh, it happened. And that, I was pregnant. Did you, how do so. you know that? Did you ask the rolling chair if it liked it? No, it uh, bucked me off. It, okay. Yeah, yeah, I kind of put two and two together when I was on the floor. I put two and two together. That's an accountant joke too. <laughs> oh, wow, we man. are on fire. We're killing today. it with the dad jokes. Yes, we today. are. So, what was the injury? You tripped. Back injury. Back, okay. Yep. Back is a tough yep. injury. Those yep, that was the tough. second one there. The first time I flipped, slipped on a wet floor. Okay. <sighs> Melissa, so, can you be honest for a second? Yeah. So I've seen a lot oh, of YouTube videos. Okay, so <laughs> listen, you are you don't work there anymore. You can totally tell us, okay? I've seen a lot of YouTube videos where people get in office chairs and they take a fire extinguisher, right? And they <laughs> travel across the room. Did, were you doing that when you hit the, the phone cord? No, my office was half the size of the studio. Oh, 
there wasn't room for that. I really wish the answer was yes. And then yeah, I, I, my I, next I, question was going to be, is there video that we can find on that? Yeah, because we, that would, we would show that to the audience, no. wouldn't we? Well, this is being such a good I know. sport. I know. I know. Okay, tell us Unfortunately, tell us you know. Okay, so you injured your back Injured my back. Twice. Okay. Yep. Workman's comp doctor gave opiates. Oh, sure. Yeah. You got a back injury. What was his name and number? Yeah. Right. And what did he give you? <laughs> I went for lots of years, just fine. Sure. One here and there. Okay, right. You know, just right. fine. You took them sort of as prescribed original, original, initially. Sorry. Right. Yeah. And then with my 15-year-old, I ended up with an emergency C-section after okay. 17 hours of labor. Okay. And... Who was that terrible doctor? Don't say his name. I'm kidding. He kept trying. I mean, he was giving me the chance. Mm. Yeah, sure. So... Um, I wouldn't have had to do a C-section. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> if you saw his head. Oh, yes, I probably would. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then I had to travel from Provo to Richfield after a C-section. Mm. So the pain was. Yeah, C-sections are tough. Yeah. Yep. And Al I Also, another thing we routinely look at. Oh, you had a C-section. It's a major abdominal surgery. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yep. It's six weeks of recovery at least. Yep. So I think that that's the first time, like, the phantom pain started in. Mm. I think that's, I've done a lot of um, thinking over the years and I got told two years in, just quit. You're going to drive yourself crazy figuring out where that switch flipped. Yeah. We're good at the loop thing, huh? Yeah. Associate but people. you know, coming on the podcast, just trying to put timeline together. I like it. I actually figured it out. What do you got? But after the C-section. Okay. That's yep. your, that's yep. your switch flipper. Yep. But I was always able to just rein it back in okay. and be just fine. And then fast forward to 2008, I had my daughter C-section and I was on IV Dilaudid for five days. Mm. And so that- So we like to call a dream. Mm. I had once. Yeah. So even so. an hour after a dose, I was laying there just, the, the pain was so intense and I couldn't yeah. figure it out until now with the knowledge I have, that's that phantom pain of your mm. brain. It's yeah. really your brain croak your brain craving that yep. that drug. Yep. Right, Doc? Yeah, so um, I want to toss a stat out because I think I've said this before and I'm going to maybe reiterate it again eventually, but today I want to talk about it for just one second. We got to get go got to keep moving on the story, but there was a study done in 2018, I believe, by the Center for Disease Control, and they looked at prescriptions and one of the things they found is if you go to a doctor and you get an opiate prescription and your initial opiate prescription, I'm not going to quote the whole study. If your initial opiate prescription was for 28 days, you have a 50% chance of still being on that opiate at the one year mark. 50% of those people get addicted to that opiate. Mm -hmm. That's a gigantic number. Half of the people that, and who doesn't get 28 days of pain reliever for C-section, hip replacement, knee, uh, open knee surgery, heart surgery. Like that's very, that's not that uncommon of an amount of time. But doctors don't tell you, hey, by the way, you have a 50% chance of being addicted to this. Yep. I mean, they, sometimes they mention this is an addictive substance, but that's about, that's about it, really. Yep. Okay, yep. so you got, so you had a C-section. You probably got sent home with a bunch of pain pills. Oh, yeah. Yep. And like my daughter, until I got out of treatment she'd never seen me sober mm. in her life so you stayed on those you that's it that yep. second c-section you were yep it you was used every day after that it you had was pain it. pills every day yep. after that yep within for that, how long a period of time so within that year and a half i ended up with two major surgeries okay and it just never went just away kept going back and, and even when pills. i couldn't get my pain pills i went into heavy heavy smoking like it was just one for another and then of course, the phantom back pain right. is mm -hmm. so intense. Yeah. So, you know, wh how are you going to cure that? Right. Here's your fentanyl patch and 120 Percocet a day or oh, for a month. Work. For a month. So, you know, that fixes it. Yeah. I mean, Melissa, you just weren't on some like light drugs. I mean, you're talking about Dilaudid and fentanyl. Whoa. I mean, that you were on some heavy yeah, stuff. Yeah, those are heavy, heavy things. That's yep. enough to put anybody. Yep. Yeah, that's enough to uh, physically make anybody addicted. When I think about that, I think the stat I just quoted that 50% of people become addicted. What they were talking about all kinds of opiates. They're talking about Lortabs and Percocets. You're not mm -hmm. even talking about that at all. Right. I mean, those are the drugs you're mentioning are super, super addictive. And that's yeah. the kind of stuff they're giving people when they're ter terminally ill, yeah, right? Absolutely, right. Like, like when they're that yeah. used to be the only use for fentanyl. I think is they should go back to that. Ill patients. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, now you can buy it in your heroin or your meth, frankly. But I'm yeah. good. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. So <laughs> yeah. am I, because because Melissa's going to testify how that ruined her life. Yeah, yeah. How did that turn out for you, Melissa? Mm, landed me in treatment. Okay. What which what happened that the best made you go life. to treatment? Like what where what was the final straw or what was the so that went on for eight years? But you know, let's start throwing more things at it, and I'd be on two or three antidepressants at once add in some benzos and let's throw in some muscle relaxers and then you know if that's not enough ambient no because it's hard to sleep on all those opiates yeah (laughs) so they don't really look very lightly of uh lunch ladies driving under the influence so (laughs) i ended up with a dui okay mug shot in my scrubs oh that's nice yeah and then i downward spiral for a month and it all came to a head when i was out for four days and i was so sick my husband gave me the ultimate, you've got to go in. You yeah. ran out of pain stuff for four Everything. Days. Okay. Everything. Okay. I bet and you were just beside yourself. Oh, I was so sick because that's yeah. eight years of heart addiction. Right. And there's a rebound that happens because long-term use of opiates, one of the things it does also is it causes sort of a hyperalgesia, meaning things actually do get a little more painful mm-hmm. when you're on long-term opiates so yeah. that your normal stuff so my thing was migraines my normal migraines got worse when i was on opiates mm-hmm. it, you have to be on it for a while yep because the opiates work for it for a little while yep but then if you're on it for long enough you get this hyperalgesia and things become more painful so then when you stop and your brain can't make its natural opiates because there's things called endorphins right mm-hmm. and your brain doesn't make that when you're on long-term opiates yep and isn't that so because stop the, the body is constant the constantly the body is constantly, its goal is to achieve homeostasis, right? The goal of the body is absolutely to achieve and homeostasis. And so when you introduce opiates, it basically levels up. It, it increases that threshold. Am I saying this right? And so instead of, you know, having your baseline lower, it actually increases your baseline. Therefore, that's that's tolerance, right? That's how people basically become their tolerance goes up and they have to have more and more and more is because it elevates their baseline. So the actual physiological mechanism that happens is if you flood your opiate receptors in your brain with opiates, then what happens is a process called down regulation, right? You start having less opiate receptors. So you can't even, if you've been on opiates for a while, you can't achieve the level of pain relief you used to be able to achieve. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. 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 And so you can't even get there, but you keep trying Yeah. because you're now in more pain with Mm -hmm. less pain relief. And so, yeah, you can't even get there. And that's really one of the bottom lines of addiction is we're all trying to get back to that first use because that first use usually is fairly amazing, or at least the initial few times you use, they're usually fairly amazing. Yeah. And then you can't achieve that after a little while again. And so you're chasing that and chasing that. Well, on substance abuse and bipolar don't, don't, they don't mesh. Well, bipolar doesn't mesh with anything. No. (laughs) So my manics and. Even even marriages, bipolar doesn't mesh with sometimes. No. Yeah. No. Okay. So your husband said you got to go in. Yep. You're sick. I ended up in the hospital with a magnesium drip because Mm. my heart was not okay. Mm. And then my husband had talked to the doctor and they decided I needed to go in the next day for a follow-up. And while I was trying to give a UA cause I couldn't, um, he asked the doctor, could the, could it be withdrawals? And he took one look at me and said, you need to go to treatment. Good. And that was the ultimatum. And I made some where, hard phone calls. Where was that? What doctor? I, I don't need the doctor's name. Where were you told you need to go to treatment? Um, at first it was Provo Canyon and then I called around. No, and, I'm talking about when oh. you're sick in the ER. No, this was in the doctor's office the next okay. day for a follow-up. Okay. Yep. Okay. And I made some phone calls and we got into treatment later that afternoon. And it was a good thing because I was in and out of the hospital for 10 days with tapers and my organs were trying to shut down on me. Yeah. So, and then... Um, the treatment center decided they couldn't keep me because of medical reasons. So I found Aqua in Midway and oh. went to Dr. Sellers. Whoa, Aqua. Yeah. We, That's we, cool. We actually love giving shout outs to people that are helping people out. And I think Aqua is one of those groups for sure. So yep. tell us yep. about what, tell us the take home message you got maybe from treatment. 
the take home message or what did you yeah what changed in you or what did you get out of treatment so much um i had a facilitator that would talk about his transformation and it goes a step deeper than just being in recovery and clean and when i heard him tell his story i said to myself that's what i want i don't want to go back to to before i need it to be better than before yeah i love that yeah. whole transformation of your life uh, yep. That, yep and that that i don't know that i've heard that a lot but i've heard it in different ways but the way you just put it is lovely recovery is not about going back to where you were before you started using drugs recovery is about being better than that yeah i mean there's people that talk about 50 miles in it's 50 miles out it wasn't for me i had to go further yeah i couldn't be to where i was before i started right and if you so, go the 50 miles out and stop right there yep what kind of life is that like yep. that's not life life is growing and learning and and improving every day yep. it's crazy that you brought this up because september 19th i've been asked to go speak out in in pittsburgh and what i'm going to speak on is i've shared my story a lot and, and what i really feel passionate about speaking about is exactly what you're talking about the recovery movement like we need people that have been through this thing to come out and go further than they were before like ha have you ever experienced an er when you're coming off of you know any kind of substance like look you don't get treated the best is all i'm gonna say yeah we need some people to rise up and become yeah. nurses we need some people like dr sellers to rise up and become doctors we need people that can be empathetic about individuals that are going through that and can get them resources for help because as of right now what's happening in a lot of er's is this Oh, this idiot again. Oh, drug addict. Here you Gosh, go. Get him out of here. Addicts. Somebody, oh, he doesn't have anybody picking him up. Just send him out. Yep. And I'm not trying to badmouth any specific hospital, but that happens a lot. Also, yeah. also, and this isn't related to your story at all, but the other thing that happens is a drug addict comes in with a with a bone sticking out of his arm and the doc's like, oh, he's a drug addict. I'm not giving him any pain medicine. He's just, he's just he's drug, just drug seeking. seeking. Oh, by the yeah. way, there's a bone sticking out of his arm. Right. So there needs to be, I, I just read a book, um, called uh, Dopamine Nation, which you should read. And it's really about how America is quite addicted to dopamine, which is what the final common pathway for all drugs and alcohol, the addictive drugs and alcohol is, is the release of dopamine in the midbrain, right? And the, the point I wanna make is not that I read a book, cause that's a kind of a miracle. No, it's not. <laughs> um, the point I wanna make is this guy said that we need people in America to teach us how to dig our way out of this addiction to dopamine. And he said, drug addicts and alcoholics are gonna be the prophets that lead the way out of our addiction to dopamine in the United States. Yep. Well, and Jody Aqua was the first one that like, I felt like treated me as a human. Yeah. And it didn't matter that I was a drug addict. Yeah, Jody's got a big heart. And the unconditional love that I found in NA and in treatment for they loved me because of and not in spite of. Mm -hmm. And that was huge. No comparison to your sister. Nope. Right? Just. Nope. We like Melissa for who she is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. That's good to get out. Okay. So uh, you got out of treatment at yep. Aqua. What did you do after treatment? 90 days in treatment centers. Spent 90 days in treatment centers. Okay. Yep. You yep. must have great insurance. That doesn't happen no more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that does well, not happen. Four years ago. You can. <laughs> <laughs> we begged for it to happen occasionally. Right, cause, right. Cause, yeah. Because this, the statistics really show that this isn't a 30-day treatment. Like, that just isn't very effective. No. And there has to be a much longer period of time, and it also has to include not just the residential program. There has to be aftercare, follow-up stuff. And You know, though, I have a theory on that. I, I, like, right now, they're shortening RTC stays. Right. And I promise you this is what's going to happen. They're going to realize that they're spending more money when those people go out and lapse and come back yep. and go out and lapse and come back it's like just keep them in there for the fog to clear long enough for them to have a shot at php when they level down in, in iop and anyway sorry i'm not trying to take away from no, you you're okay Melissa, no. but you're okay but man that, i'm passionate I, about i think that. you're right i mean but, 28 yeah. days is when it barely 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 has cleared you haven't spent any time really absorbing a lot of stuff in the first 28 days well and the tough thing is too we're really good at manipulating as addicts and so we call our families and we get the conversation oh, like I'm this curious. i'm done with treatment yeah, they curious. gave me this gold chip i'm ready to come home i got to get back to work and then 
we all, then the family turns around and goes, oh, treatment doesn't work. That They went and they stayed at that place for 28 days and they didn't do anything. And what, what you expect for somebody who's been using for five years to get cured in 28 days? Right. Yeah. You know, and, and then you ask them, well, did they talk to you about the step down process? What? There's a step down process? Yeah, that's why they. Uh, that's the gap. That's why treatment centers are, if they're honest, they're quoting they're quoting success rates of 15% or something in that range. And if, by the way, if you get a treatment center that quotes you a success rate of 90%, run away because they're liars. But um, I'm glad we got that out there, though. Any families listening to this, there's some great education for you. RTC, when they go to a 24-7 hour care facility, that is not treatment residential center. treatment center. If that is know. not treatment. That is the equivalent to the ER, right? They have, then they need to level down to PHP. They need to level down to IOP. PHP is partial hospitalization program. IOP is intensive outpatient. It goes 20 hours a week, 10 hours a week. Typically GOP is one or two hours a week, but it's a level down system and that's how you achieve success. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yep. Sorry. Well, and checking in, no, I was okay. like, we Oh, were... 30 days. I can do 30. Right. Like, for we're, sure. We're okay. Right. But at 30 days, I did that first 30 days for my family to keep my family. Mm. Right. And I knew I needed to stay to make it work the first time. And so many times I heard like nobody does it their first time and come to find out like you can if you want it bad enough. And I did. I did. I think all three of us sitting at this table went to one treatment episode. Went to one treatment episode. Yeah. Yep. yep. I had to make and that's it work. So doable. Yeah. yeah. Like. The, st the stats also show that the average person that gets and maintains long-term sobriety has been to three treatment episodes. But I've met enough people that have been to 18 treatment episodes that there's plenty of room out there for people to go to one treatment episode and get it right and, and not relapse. They're just trying to compete with Robert Downey Jr. Right. It's just a cool thing. Right. You know? They want to become a Hollywood star. Right. we got about five minutes left. Let's let... Let's let Melissa finish up oh, with yeah. her. We're off tangent. Her recovery. <laughs> weird. Well, and so that's why I stayed 90 days. Because Richfield yeah. didn't have any resources. Mm, yeah. And so That's I the did, problem living in a rural community is finding yeah. resources for different levels of care. Yeah, like Pathways wasn't there. Right. So I stayed the 90 days. I did IOP for the next six months through Zoom. Nice. nice. And that was that piece that got me further than the 50 miles out. Mm. Yeah, nice. And the coping skills and all of that that came with it that was taught changed my life nice and it stayed that way and That's every amazing. day i find something to do for recovery what would you say yeah so what do you do for recovery these days um lots of self-care okay. meditation self-care is awesome self-care meditation okay and i knew from the second day in rehab in my treatment center that i wanted to be for someone else what i didn't mm. get that's Common not theme. not too uncommon. Yeah. Yep. yep. But it's beautiful. I love yep. it. it. I it love is, it. It is beautiful. Yeah. Oh. So once you see that light, like I see this in several aspects of my life, but once you see a big light that turns on in your eyes, you if if you have any heart at all, you want to share that light with other people. Yep. Yep. And so that's so, what you're talking and about. Coming home, like it wasn't easy. These have been the hardest four years of my life because mm. of things that have happened. Mm but having the mental clarity to go through them and be there for the people that need it and myself is priceless. Yeah. So it took me about a year to recover um, career wise from what was, cause it's such a small community. Sure. I worked a lot of temp jobs. I did a lot of crap jobs. You had to prove to people you were a different Melissa. I had to prove to myself that I could shoot, suit up and show up and oh. I can take that rejection letter and it doesn't ruin who I am. Doesn't define you. No. Because in treatment, that's what I was taught, like to love yourself where you're at. Nice. So it doesn't matter. And what, do you, what would you say are some, a few really cool things you've done since you've been in recovery? So I went back and Aqua put me through their recovery specialist program. So I'm certified recovery specialist. Okay. I worked at a teenage treatment center for girls for a year and a half. Well, that's interesting. Bef where was that? Um, Storm Ridge. Okay. In Monroe. Okay. Yep. And then I had some things happen in my life that made that too hard to deal with the same things there. Yeah. And so I made, the, I made the choice to quit there and just do Pathways full time because for a minute I was doing both. Mm. So, and I love it. 
at Pathways. That's I teach nice. groups. I call myself the T-crosser eye daughter <laughs> for the audits. We need that. <laughs> that's what it is. Everybody needs a T-crosser and an eye daughter. Well, not yep. everybody. Jared doesn't need one because that's what he does. But <laughs> I need one for yep. sure. You know, the thing that I love about Melissa's story and her sitting here today is I think oftentimes, whether you struggle with a substance use disorder and addiction or a mental health disorder like OCD and, and you, you shared bipolar, right? Mm-hmm. There are ways to take those messes and turn it into a message. And that's what you're doing right now, right? And there are ways to find careers that actually make you super good at them because of the way your brain works. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you can take something that people call a disability or a disease and you can use it to your advantage, then we move out of the victim lens into the victor, right? And that's beautiful. And, yep. and thank you. Like, thanks for coming on and sharing that. Yeah, we have we have a random listener named Judy Miller. I don't know if you, uh, anyway, <laughs> Judy uh, says, thanks for sharing your story. And that's nice of Judy to say. Judy, by the way, is Jared's mother and she's our number one fan. Love you, mama. So thanks. Thanks, mom. I call her mom, thank too. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Um, I hope she doesn't mind that, but I call her mom, too. So, uh, so we're about out of time. Yeah. Did you have fun? Yes. Did you get your message across? Yes. What is one thing you'd like to say to people that are still struggling with addiction? It doesn't discriminate. I am the face of an opiate addiction and you can't overcome it. Yeah. You don't look like somebody that should be an opiate addict. You know, my, a lot of my clients that are in the recovery specialists say the same thing. Yep. Comes in all flavors. Yeah. I said it doesn't discriminate. Yep. Well, thanks for being on our podcast today. Well, thanks for everybody. Having me. Thanks for listening. Be sure, be share, be sure to share, like, whatever you want to do with this podcast. Like, comment, and share. Thank the you. only thing that we charge you is please share. Yep. So next week we got a guy coming on that's going to talk to us about the state of Utah, a new program that they started. Sweet. Can't wait for Thank that. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.